0: Of
1: advice I have for someone trying to succeed in the film industry or any creative space is if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're doing it wrong.
2: Welcome to Around the Craft Table, a podcast by film students about movies, making movies, and other stuff.
0: Hey
2: everybody! It's Miles, welcome back to Around the Craft Table. This week I'm joined by my friends Luke, Hello. Miranda, hey. and Jermel. Hello. And this week we're going to talk about a local um, independent film and video festival that happened just recently in Winnipeg called IRU Video Fest. And Miranda, why don't you tell us a little bit about the festival?
0: Yeah, sure. So I'm one of the many organizers uh, that's part of programming um, and organizing the festival. Um, and so this year we showcase 16 films of very di- like diverse um, content and uh, style and medium. It's just it's a festival that a couple of uh, friends and colleagues created um, that is dedicated to just like highlighting um, emerging artists with uh, f- a focus on film and media work in Manitoba. So we screen films from, The winnipeg area but we also are um, really uh, welcoming any rural based um, video work or any people from northern manitoba or closer to the american border as well Um, hoping to expand to other provinces uh, within the next couple of years and yeah we basically um, aim to include a program that just highlights a lot of diversity in terms of the actual content in the films the filmmakers themselves and uh their collaborations so if we've collaborated across the pond on canadian work that's really awesome um and all that kind of stuff so this year was a lot more diverse than last year and it was the second year we did it so i think it went over pretty well i mean you guys were all there so you kind of saw it went down and i think a lot of people um appreciate that there's a festival like this because um, one special thing about it is that we don't have any uh, awards in this festival it's not uh, a huge competition for which film's the best of any qu- any uh category or anything it's just a celebration to bring people together to unify us instead of divide us and that's basically the fest so yeah
2: sweet um you covered any questions i think I would have asked why don't we just jump in right into our thoughts and sort of a roundtable discussion on the program this year and Maybe Miranda you can talk a little bit about the theme that you were going for this year as we dive into each of the films t- to whatever degree we want to.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't want to single-handedly take credit for anything. It was a, like a very much sure. a group effort. But yeah, um Yeah, the films are really different as you guys probably could tell. No two films are quite the same. Yeah. But um yeah. I don't know. What did you guys what did you guys think? Let's start with the someone
1: else <laughs> well, I liked how um yeah it was super diverse like there was a lot of like different genres like there was some shot on 8 mil there's some people who did like animation some people Jesse shot on 16 mil one person had like a digital completely digital uh like plant one that was super cool so I li- I liked how how diverse everything was it kind of made everything kind of stand out because I know the the day the day before IOU they had the, the shark comedy from festival and um and there was just a bunch of comedies so like not everything stood out as much like they're all really great but i like how this one was super diverse uh so like like the comedies stood out more uh the sad ones stood out more it's just like there was peaks and valleys and i thought it was uh, a really good yeah good experience
2: yeah same here there was nothing that really um uh f- felt out of out of place in terms of the way that the the programs Halves were strung together, and I just I really enjoy. Um, there were quite a few that surprised me pleasantly, actually.
0: Oh yeah, care to uh. Care to uh reveal?
2: Change was one that surprised me. I I um. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Change, change is one of my favorites. Awesome.
1: I love change.
0: So Lena, um, and Taylor Brown, their brothers brother and sister, uh, filmmaking duo.
1: What is change about, guys?
0: change yeah
1: it's
0: okay so change is a comedy uh short that features a socially anxious young man as he uh finds some life-changing advice at uh, the drive-thru
1: like a fast food restaurant
0: so he's going through the drive-thru and the guy on the other end of like the intercom gives him like this life-changing advice and he like tries to apply it um in some ways successful some ways not it's pretty funny. It was
2: super funny. I love that one. And to think all he wanted was an onion loaf.
3: Yeah, the drive through character was great in that one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It goes to show, um, and I think this this is true, I think it really only works in comedy, but there's maybe a couple of dramatic exceptions, but how sometimes an unseen character can be so strong and so powerful that they can overshadow sometimes or be more compelling for whatever reason than a character that's on screen
0: i agree with you miles in some cases that is true i think that the main character in change was really strong like his acting i i really think his performance was strong enough to carry that that lead role so
1: yeah he's kind he's kind of an absurd character so like the fact that he's getting all this life-changing advice from like just a voice kind of like only adds to it
0: yeah totally like i think they're both great characters but i don't think that the off-screen character like overshadowed the lead
1: no i don't think so either and uh i like that one too because like normally i don't like comedies that have a lot of dialogue because i find it's like i I prefer comedies that show as opposed to just telling um change had a lot of dialogue but it was all really really good like i i really enjoyed that movie
2: i I find it like it didn't uh, yeah, Luke, going off your point of dialogue sometimes what can happen with comedy is that comedies that are dialogue heavy is they can sort of um overstay their welcome with a particular set of jokes, but this was so punchy and so so well um executed, particularly with regard to the dialogue that it didn't give you time to go. Okay, this joke's a bit too long. It gave you just the right amount of time to enjoy a joke and then moved you on.
1: Yeah, and the, the, the acting was so good that like it didn't feel like anything was like he wasn't like saying the same thing twice. Like everything, all every single piece of dialogue felt different. Um, so yeah, I read, change was probably my my favorite movie, though it was awesome.
2: Nice, uh, Jamel. Did you want to add anything?
3: I just really like the um, the delivery. That's probably the best part of it, in my opinion. Yeah. The delivery of the jokes were really well-timed, uh, especially in the beginning when he's trying to order the... Uh, the interaction between him and the drive-thru person um, were probably the best parts of the film, and it's really good. It's really funny. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> Got legitimate laughs out of me when I watched it. It was awesome.
0: You mentioned, Miles, that there were a couple that specifically impressed you or caught or surprised you, rather.
2: Yeah, I mean, one that surprised me, and uh, um, you guys can chime in on your opinions. But there was something about the way home. It was it was a, an experimental piece. There there was something about it. I don't know what it was, but it it did it did strike me. It hit me. Um, I don't I don't quite know where yet. I think I'm still uh, chewing on on that movie and making. Um, Coming to some conclusions about it, but it sort of struck me in a really interesting place, and I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know what it was specifically, but um, what did you guys think of that one or any others that hit you guys?
0: Well, with Way Home, like uh, from the first time that I saw it as an organizer, uh, it never really, like, it didn't specifically hit me at first, like when I first saw it, um, but after, like, the third or fourth watch I was kind of like beginning to understand kind of some of the themes I think they are very like I mean those kind of those kind of poetry um so for any of those who don't know way home is a it's like a cine poetry film so basically um there's footage and then on front of the footage there's poetry um so that's audio over top of uh like like a sound design and uh, in this case, the, the text was actually on the screen, so you could actually follow along if you uh, had, you know, issues hearing or anything like that. Um, or just, you know, for style purposes, having the text on the screen is also probably a, a style choice uh, on the filmmaker's part. But I definitely think that um, after a couple of watches, I, I, I tend to understand a little bit deeper, especially with poetry. Like, sometimes it's so subjective that it takes a while to to really understand it, so... Yeah, I I like Way Home. But yeah, from 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 the first from the first watch it wasn't my cup of tea, but then I I grew to I grew to really like it.
2: Yeah, I I feel like I had the same sort of reaction Miranda.
1: Yeah, that's a movie that I want to watch again. Um because yeah, it seems it does seem like a movie that like you may not catch every single detail and like every single nuance to it until you watch it a couple times
2: we should note that any of these that are available freely online we'll make sure to put them in the show notes
0: yeah so and uh, Luke do you want like do you want to talk about some of the films you liked
2: yeah
1: um, well, I guess just a few other ones that, that I noted that I, I really liked were both uh, Tavis's and um, Jesse's movies mm-hmm. I, I love both um, Tavis's uh, really great friend uh and then uh jesse's breakfast uh. yeah i liked uh breakfast is so gorgeous jesse's such a good cinematographer and like i i i didn't know how good of a of a storyteller he was uh because a lot of the work i've seen of his has just been him pretty much shooting a lot of other people's work but this was all him and like the story was probably like the cinema it looked great but the story was probably like the strongest part of that movie so that that one took that that one took me by surprise because I didn't know how good of a storyteller he was um and it's all visual and he's really good at storytelling too so not only is he a fantastic cinematographer he's also a really good storyteller so
2: and to just for those um listening at home the description listed on the website of the film is a boy and a girl go on a date
3: very basic premise, but he kind of took a uh, more experimental approach with it he used he relied solely on like imagery and kind of just juxtaposed them and laid them out in a way where um it showed like the progression of the two characters relationship
2: yeah one of the things that i um (coughs) liked about it was that although it's although it's very much experimental there there was very much still at play and i think luke this speaks to what you were saying about jesse being a um such a good storyteller there's a re- there is a really strong backbone to it that um at once leaves you wondering where it's going to turn just because of the way it's been constructed and then doesn't leave you um I'm going to totally lean into the wind on this pun doesn't leave you hungry for more by the end of it um I I don't get it <laughs> well that's the end of the show folks good night <laughs>
0: Um, I was going to say too, um one of my favorite shots uh, cuz breakfast is kind of it's a it's a whole bunch of cuts to different things to tell the story in in, in some sort of chronological order, right? And then at the end it kind of jumps around and and it kind of like shows like kind of the, the the disarray of the whole relationship of these two people, but there is this one shot um and I remember when we were filming it cuz I was uh like I was assistant director on that shoot and um it was the, the, the shot with the cereal box when the life cereal is shaking and the the cereal just spills all over the around the bowl, but none, none of it really ha- lands in the bowl. So it's just like her life is like exploding and the life is everywhere. So that's one of my favorite shots.
3: Yeah, her life, their like the life's a mess.
0: Yeah, the, my life's a mess. And then there's another one where, if you look really carefully at the scene where it zooms in on the party and the phone vibrating on the table, it shows that the contact name is Happy, and that the guy is named Happy in her phone. And then later she eats the Happy ice cream over and over.
2: Yeah, that was clever.
0: So it's like she keeps she keeps helping herself to like the happiness, even though she's not gonna follow through on anything. Which is what I really like. That, like that, those metaphors. Very good storytelling, in my opinion. I really like breakfast.
3: Yeah, breakfast is done really well. It's also like a big case of. Um, you have to uh, the story that you're telling. You have to really understand it. You have to know it to some degree. Like, if you, if you don't know it, like, I think we talked about this once, Miles. Is if you don't know something, that you should need to really research it. Um, but the other side of it is if it's something that you did experience and then you tell it, it'll come across as very genuine and people will feel what you're trying to convey because it's coming from a place of, uh, I guess, realness. Wait a word. Instead of it just being like uh, this thing that I'm going to make and then suddenly it's like, eh, because it, it doesn't feel genuine. It doesn't feel like it feels shallow. Whereas this, it, you can tell that there it, it comes from a deeper place, I suppose you could say.
2: Yeah, for sure. And you're right, Jermel, there's really a sense of... um, Because, of course, Jesse being the... uh, I don't want to say writer because I'm not sure that an experimental film would necessarily have something written, per se, but you can sort of know the thing as the writer because you wrote it and it sort of lives inside your head. But like you were saying, Jermel, it is really important to know it from a directing standpoint and then being able to communicate that knowledge in a way that's useful for not just your actors, but arguably everybody on the team.
0: Yeah. Um, so just to move on to um, the f- other film that Luke mentioned, Really Great Friend, which is directed by uh, Tavis Putnam. It is a movie about a guy who just really wants friends um, and his mom and boyfriend go out of town. And he has the car for the whole weekend and he just wants to hang out with someone and go to the park and throw snowballs, but he can't seem to find anybody to hang out with him. And it's, uh, it's, it seems like a very simple premise, but a lot happens, but at the same time, not a lot happens. Yeah. So. And I was going to say, like, it's,
1: it's, it's really, it's a, like the perfect Tavis movie yeah. where it's literally, it's kind of about nothing, but it also like makes you question like the human existence at the yeah. same time. Like just, he's. He's, he's very dis- like he's got a very distinct style and like you know a hey, Tavis movie when you see it. Um, and yeah,
3: it's uh, it feels very human.
1: Yeah, and I just love how it's like he's just a giant he's a giant nerd that no one really likes. <clears throat> it's really sad and funny. Totally. Yeah.
3: But at the same time, so likable even though no one really okay. likes him in that world, but. As a character, you kind of you gotta root for him. Like you like I the mean, character, yeah, hey, you root for him. You
1: can't not. Yeah, it, it seems like his character is because This is the same character. He's made like three movies with the same character, um, and it's, it's very Michael Scott and like the fact that like whenever you like get down and th- like and like think, I don't know. It it seems like, it seems like the type of character that you th- that everyone kind of thinks they are when like. I don't know when you like second guess yourself. I don't know. It's it's very. I don't. I, I can't really explain it. It's relatable. It's super relatable. It's,
3: I, it's a relatable character.
1: Yeah, like when I get down and I think like like no, my friends don't really like me. It's like I, it's very much like this character. Like it's just, <laughs> it's really weird. I don't know. It's hard to explain.
3: When I watch, when I'm really down on myself, I watch Tavis's movies. Aww. <laughs>
2: yeah. Pretty much. He's sort of the um, every man, by accident almost.
0: But yeah, just to clarify, this is a comedy. Um, it is. It's very funny. My favorite shot is that wide shot when you see him throwing the snowballs in the wide open shot at the Cineboy Park. And then he runs off to the washrooms.
3: And he just runs. <laughs> it is really funny. Yeah, apparently that wasn't planned. Kind of so that's didn't. that made it funnier because he just ran and then they do the smash zoom and then you see washrooms because then you're kind of like, where the hell is he going? Why is he just running? And then it zooms in and it says washrooms. It's good delivery. Good setup payoff.
1: Another thing I love about that movie is that it's, it's, this sounds like a negative, but it's super long winded. Like it's like an 11 minute movie. And like it, I felt like there was definitely a part where it lost the audience. It was like a family guy joke where like it it was funny, then kind of became unfunny and then became funny again, just because of how long winded it was. Um, it was a, like, it's, it's really, it's really bold doing that. Like, it's like, like, it's kind of a scary thing. What, wanted, what was, what was it? Your,
3: sorry? What was it? What part was it? Yeah.
1: Like in the middle part, like it's just when he started driving his friends to, um, uh, to soccer. Yeah. I, I felt like it was, uh, there was definitely long winded parts, but it kind of like, that was kind of the point. It kind of just kind of put you in the, the day in the life of of, this, of Ross, the character.
3: Yeah, it makes sense because um, I think we've all been in car rides that are yeah. like that, or something similar yeah, situation like where moment. you guys talk,
0: yeah,
3: and then it dies. And then, But you can't leave because of the nature of your vicinity. In this case, a car driving, you can't just be like, okay, stop the car, I'm going to leave. You, know, you have to get to the destination. So now you're just stuck in that car, but the
2: conversation's over. I was just going to touch on something that you uh, briefly mentioned, Luke, and that was the idea of being comfortable enough to let go of your audience, because that's exactly what he does. If he lets go of the audience and loses them, but uh, knows his comedy and the type of comedy he's going for so well that he just is able to get them back the moment he wants them back and he wins them over instantly. It's-
1: yeah, it, it serves a narrative purpose too because um, I feel like the first half of the movie is like you kind of feel sympathetic for this character and then the second half of the movie when it's long witted and he kind of becomes annoying, you you actually kind of get annoyed with him. And then, at the end, it gains the sympathy back, so uh I don't know it, it it it's a really good movie like it's it's it sounds weird and it it sounds if you i don't know it's 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 really good,
3: yeah, it's risky, but if you can do it, yeah. you do it, I guess
2: the next one that I think is the proverbial elephant in the room is um scab, which is a science fiction film. That was really well made, and I thought it was pretty cool. And there were some really cool special effects that were done for it. Who wants to start on that one?
0: As a science fiction lover, I really liked Scab. Uh, It's a science fiction short. Um, Paul Plett directed it. And it's about this girl with, um, like, a disease. And uh, she forms an alliance with the man as they travel along the countryside. Um, Which is raided with kind of like, I guess, resistance enemies or something. It's never truly explained why the people are necessarily hunting the other people. um, But they are just obstacles in their way. They're trying to get to a ship that, um, during this post-apocalyptic world, is uh, kind of like a safe haven. Um, But yeah, they encounter a lot of obstacles along the way. And um, it's comments on... uh, well. Sort of, I I I assume this was intentional. Comments on immigration was uh, super well placed and appropriate. Uh, Yeah, and the and the performances were just very good.
3: Yeah, that's probably the strongest part of the film, were the performances. I feel
0: that young girl Meredith Rose. She's like, she's very very good.
3: Yeah, she was really good. I, I I she I could see her on like a TV show.
2: Yeah, for you sure. Know,
3: with the something, yeah, I can see her playing like, like an actual full-on character on a on a bigger um, medium. Um, but yeah, uh, going back to what you said, I guess uh, it's really well-made film. I uh, I really enjoyed it the entire time. I was intrigued. I wanted to see what would happen next, and it's always good because it had my attention grabbed the entire time. Um, <clears throat> that said, I guess my only sort of knock against it were some plot elements weren't super clear
2: yeah there was some stuff that was kind of vague
3: there 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 was a few yeah yeah there was a few things that were left kind of vague kind of like wait um you kind of question oh what does that mean but by that point you're expecting an explanation but instead of an explanation you kind of just get the an event happening and then it ending and then it moves on to the next plot point again and then you're kind of left kind of confused with that last thing it only happened like I guess hmm, it only happened like once really. <clears throat> so it's not, it's not that big of a deal.
2: I wonder, Jermel, since you mentioned it, um, without, may- without, uh, maybe this is a little bit of an overreach on our part in terms of discussion, but do you think that was, um, intentional, the vagueness or was it just, uh, was it stuff so heavy sci-fi that you just sort of lost it?
3: No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, uh, at least it didn't seem like it was supposed to be intentional. Sure. Um, if it was intentional, I feel like it would have been more obvious that it's supposed to be. The fact that we're kind of left in this gray area probably means that it wasn't. Okay. Um, if it is, you know, I could be wrong. Cool. Um, that said, that's just the impression that I got out of it. I'm just judging it, um, based on what I saw without any other further context, which you don't get the luxury of in a movie theater with people. That, had, that don't know you or don't yeah. know your intention. They just get what's on the plate, not what happened in the kitchen.
0: I do know that that film uh, was made as a proof of concept for a feature called Rama the Film. And you can actually go and find out more about their potential feature that they're making based on the short at rama ramathefilm.com. And that's going to be directed and produced and, and shot by the exact same team that produced Scab. Pretty excited, actually for that film.
2: Shall we take a break?
0: Yeah, let's take a let's take a short break and then we'll be back with some more with some more discussions. <laughs>
2: everybody welcome back let's uh keep it going with the discussion i'm gonna hand things over to jermel
3: hello so um next one we're gonna talk about uh is that unspoken thing that one is by my good acquaintance adam Izinski. um so it's a film about i guess the, the logline is a bittersweet story about a love faded but not yet gone which is When I saw that log line, I was like, that is fucking perfect. (laughs) That's a really good description of the film. It's exactly what it is without spoiling anything. Um, So, yeah, no, I I was the uh, editor for it. So I I was, you know, I played around with the footage a lot. We had about five drafts total of like five cuts total. Sorry, uh, of the film. And then yeah, the one in IOU was the last one that we ended up with. Um, and I guess the thing—wait, was... you only
2: made five cuts in the whole movie? <laughs>
3: yes, it's only five cuts in a movie. <clears throat> it's a joke. It's a joke. <clears throat> so the main—the main character jokes. in the film uh, is uh, me. I'm just kidding. I'm just the guy that walks by. Um, anyway, so in this film, I don't. know, I think what Adam does really well is he likes to focus on. I, how do I put it? The, the humans. Yeah, I guess. Cause then Tavis would have his own version of that, but Adam's uh, approach would be, he focuses specifically on the relationship and the dynamics of a relationship between humans. That would be his main focus. And he likes that. He likes playing around with that. Um, And he does it really well in that unspoken thing because um, he focuses on, in this case, well, as the title suggests, that unspoken thing when, you know, you go to a place, you see a person that you used to be, like, dating or a person that you used to be best friends with or somebody that you used to have class with every day or whatever and then you go to a place, you see them, you don't talk to them. You both make the unspoken decision not to talk to each other. It's just a weird phenomenon that happens to a lot of us. Um, and that's yeah. what he wanted to capture. And then he mixed in a little bit of... Um, Adam has his thing where he, he takes like little tidbits of mine and Jesse's um, failed... <laughs> attempts at romance and he mixed them into his movie. Adam has a thing for that. It's pretty funny. Anyway um <clears throat> he took that again and he mixed those two ideas together and then this movie came out. Um and I don't know, it was just really fun, you know, it we filmed at a laundromat. Adam has a thing for like John Hughes eighties teenage coming of age stories. So he, he put that sort of um vibe and atmosphere into it. And he decided to go in no dialogue because it goes with the whole things being unspoken. So all that together, I think it, he, um, it's woven really well. And the way that we edited the, the, um, the film, we Adam purposely wanted to hold certain shots. And so closer to the beginning, a lot of shots had to be held. And then it sort of, crescendos during the dance, and if you notice during that part in the film, the cuts are faster, until the very end where all the shots are pretty much all held again. So, there's that crescendo and the editing, and that's kind of what I tried to do to the best of my ability as an editor. And yeah. Anyway, what are you guys' thoughts on it?
2: I liked it. I mean, full disclosure, I also worked on it. I did some of the visual effects for it. Um, I didn't spend nearly as much time Actually, I don't think I spent any time with footage directly, but it was just more conversations with Adam about the film and getting to know the film and sort of what the intentions were for the visual effects that I had put together and just, just seeing... I've seen his stuff before, but every time I see it, there's uh something new that, like... I'm just like, damn, he good. Like, that's... it. it I know that's cliche and... Whatever, but it's just really cool to see stories told in that John Hughes-esque way that nobody, at least mainstream, really is doing anymore. Um, if there's anybody...
3: No, no. The last one, the last big one was probably Easy A. Sure.
2: I
0: mean, I worked on it That's as it? well. Yeah. Um, I loved that unspoken thing. I did the sound design on it. <laughs> I was also the AD, so I was kind of heavily involved as well. Um yeah, I mean I love it. I mean it represents exactly what that feels like. I've I've been in that situation more times than I care to admit. Yeah. So it it definitely is like very relatable and I think that people watching it like even though there's no dialogue, you understand what's going on. Um and it's beautiful. Like it's just a very nice looking film and that's due to the great crew we had that day, so. Yeah, Brennan and Jesse making things look nice
1: as someone as someone who wasn't on set or didn't help at all with the movie I really liked it too um, it is it is super gorgeous and like I like how there's no dialogue like the entire point of the movie and the story is so visual that like mm-hmm. dialogue isn't needed um and like since it's, since it's about people not talking to each other it'll be weird if there was dialogue um but yeah I, I, I really liked it it's really it's a really sweet movie.
3: I was thinking about it, too. Um, You know how, like, for intro to film, our assignment is make a movie without dialogue? And I remember back then, a lot of... Me, a little bit, not so much, but a lot of people kind of squirm and get annoyed. It's like, I, we, but why can't we talk? We don't want to make dialogue. And I think that unspoken thing is a good example. Absolutely. That's, like, mm-hmm. you don't always need it. You just have to have the right story, the right characters. You, you don't always need dialogue. You can show... You could show what you need.
0: It also is th- the exact length that Curl would require for that assignment, Yeah, so it, it
3: feels like if you show this to um, <laughs> engine film students as like an example of what oh. you could make in this short amount of time with no dialogue but still tell a good story, this is a perfect example of that.
2: I think the only major crew person we're missing on tonight's panel from this movie is the director himself. Um, That's pretty funny given that we all we all worked on it in some capacity, except, with the exception of Luke, but no, uh, it's just, it's just, r- there's not like, I know this might sound weird, but I'm sure you guys will know what I mean when I say it, there's, there's not a bad beat in this thing, there's not a moment where, where it, it loses its footing, partially, partially because it is so short, but yeah, it's just a really tightly constructed thing. And Jamel, touching on something that you mentioned earlier, it, it is it is a prime example, much like Breakfast, of no... Uh, if the, if there's a big lesson you can take away from this for those of you interested in film listening who aren't in a position to make any yet, know your fucking script. Know your story. Like, this, this movie shows that through and through that Adam not only knew the story as a writer, but knew it as a director and knew how to get it to his casting crew.
0: Definitely. And it and just because um we we just haven't mentioned it yet, very great performances from Jack Meyer and Brooklyn Kilfoyle on this one.
2: Very yeah, good. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um having no dialogue, I mean, as an actor, I'm sure that they're they're not uh they're not unhappy with that, but it also provides its own challenges, you know?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can I can speak a little bit as a, from an acting perspective on that and I don't know what scares me more, having a mountain of lines to remember or or none <laughs> or none exactly and and the urge to want to say something and knowing that you can't
0: all right um so the next film that I want to talk about because it is the film that mostly affected me in the program um is the animated movie that was done well it was actually animated in Poland, but the 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 singer songwriter whos music video this is for, is uh, a Winnipeg-based singer-songwriter named Adam Halström. So the p- animation was done by Martina Kolinyek. She's a uh, Polish animator. Uh, it's Claymation. She is based in Warsaw, Poland, um, which is actually where a cousin of mine lived for a while. Um, and yeah, it's this story about a boy and his childhood friend who is a gift that he got uh, one Christmas, or birthday—I—I'm I, not really sure which—and uh, just, yeah, uh, and then just him finding a comfort through, uh, those powerful memories of like being a kid and just like having imaginative adventures with your toys and as a, <laughs> as a kid that, uh, really really indulged in like imaginative storytelling from a very young age and like playing with dolls and playing with stuffed animals and Playmobil specifically. Um,
2: We're not sponsored by Playmobil.
0: No. And also like the, uh, the Schleich horses and like animals. I collected a bunch of those. You're also not sponsored by Schleich, but not yet. Basically (laughs) I just like, I don't know. It's very simple again, like Adam's film, very tight like it's not long um and i don't know it's it hits you and animation does this to me and i'm not sure if you guys also feel the same way but animation hits on this childhood nostalgia because yep especially stop motion just messes with me so badly like it tugs on my heart and honestly the first time that i watched that film i sobbed for like a good 3 hours jermel you know this <laughs> I called you and I was like, I can't deal with this film. Yeah, I remember that. I didn't cry at the festival because you know people were around me, but I did shed a tear.
1: <laughs> I was pretty close. I'm not gonna lie, I was tearing up. It was. I yeah.
0: <laughs> I, w- I wiped the tear yeah, away. Yeah, same here. But yeah, what did you guys think of Alien Scars?
1: It was super sweet. Like it's a really sweet story. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's it it is it does tug at your heartstrings. It's it's a really good movie. Again, like not not to do like the same thing that we did with a Scab, but it it is very Toy Story, uh, in, in in terms of kind of its concept, um, but like it's it's fantastic. It, that,
3: Three specifically. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: It 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 was. Because about getting older. It was yeah.
1: fantastic. Yeah, that that was one of my other favorite ones too.
2: And I mean, as an animator, um, as well as live action filmmaker, I'm an animator as well, and uh, so just knowing, I don't I don't typically work in stop motion i work in 3d which is basically almost digital stop motion in some respects but just knowing how absolutely fucking grueling it must have been to put that together and seeing how masterful it was put together just like yes please give me more i want i just want more
0: and uh yeah we'll put all the links to the filmmakers we have or if the films have any websites down below in the description in the show notes. Um, let's uh, wrap up our discussions on the films with our last film we, we want to talk about on the podcast today, which was done by our good friend and panelist today, Luke Roach and Cody Blacksmith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We know Cody's not Cody's here. Not here but
1: yeah, it's uh, it's it's a wait. Cody's here. He's okay, he's, just every-
3: he's he's busy being here. a blacksmith.
1: Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's my movie that uh, or our movie that we did for last year's uh, 48 hour film festival. That was uh, the Winnipeg Film Group Festival where you have to shoot and produce and edit a movie within 48 hours. Um, and it's I guess kind of just like the long line. It's about uh, kind of like a douchey youtuber uh, vlog vlogger uh, he bi- like visits a haunted house and it's like actually haunted and he gets like possessed and stuff yeah it's, it's, it's a good time what's the house called <laughs> the, the house is the, the house is called uh, the, the kozak house which is a nice shout out to anyone who, uh, <sighs> my boy in Winnipeg yeah our, our, our boy John kozak who teaches <laughs> at you UW yeah it was fun. I, I, I enjoyed making it.
0: The 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 title of the film is a uh, fright scare subscribe. And oh, did I not say? So? No, it's yeah. okay. And I uh, I I just I really like that title because it's uh, it's such a <laughs> it's just such a piss on YouTube vloggers, but um. Yeah, in, in, in the best way possible. Clever title. Very clever it's, title. It's a play.
1: It's a play on like share. Yeah, Cody thought of that.
3: It's no, it's a great title. It's it works perfectly. Yeah, it's it's.
2: Quite clever. Um, we should also mention, like Miranda mentioned earlier, with Tavis, uh, there there is an inter there is an interview of Luke that we may be able to drop in in this uh Luke and Cody at IOU Fest that may may appear in this Maybe. show.
0: Yeah, enjoy that.
2: See, what I
3: really like about it is that it's short and sweet. Yeah. And you picked out very specific things to parody. Yeah. Um that's really that's really hilarious the the part that got the loudest laugh was like when he had when he's on the ground looking at his camera Mm -hmm. and obviously you could tell that it's a setup to him doing the whole getting pulled from behind horror trope right so you know you you know that it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. um and it's good because i think it's i might have mentioned this to you a long time ago but horror and comedy they use the same sort of elements Mm -hmm. the whole setup um
1: reinforcement payoff
3: yeah Yeah. so except the only difference is in comedy you you do a punchline instead of a scare Mm -hmm. um and i think that's what you do really well and at that moment that was done the best in my opinion was when he was (laughs) when he was lying down and then he's like scared shitless because it's confirmed that the house is haunted and it is really scary Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) but because he's a douchebag vlogger he still proceeds to advertise his bomb.
1: yeah his his his, <laughs> his, his crate uh, oh that, my god that was actually it was an idea that i wanted to do like the, the idea of like a of like a douche <clears throat> youtube vlogger in a haunted house it was an idea that i wanted to do for a bit and um the way it kind of worked out is that since we were doing the 48 uh, everyone in our group like brought a few ideas to the table so that once we got the parameters for the 48 uh or film fest um we would pick whichever one was closest and we would just run with that. And, um, once we found out like one of the shots had to be from like a cell phone or had to be like a Voyager shot, it was like, Oh, that one, that one fit this the most. Um, and yeah, like the original idea that I had, or just like the, the image I had in my head was literally just like someone like crying into like a camera or like a vlog camera and just like crying <laughs> is, like, and like being haunted and then just like halfway through being like, I want to give a shout out to my, my sponsor is loot crane. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's uh, I'm
3: not even watching the movie. And I'm laughing my <laughs> ass off. It's, it's it's so fucking good. Like the juxtaposition of being like scared for your life, right. and then you proceed to do.
1: Blair Witch mixed with, like, with like Jake Paul.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's That's good. So um, and it's just it's really good that um the inappropriate reaction. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're you're about to die. But hey, check out this album, this company that sponsors me. Right.
2: <laughs> Luke. Great. I think what uh, our listeners really want to know is: is there going uh, to be a sequel?
1: Uh, we shot a second one. Um, it'll probably get released. Um, this, this one, the first one that uh, we're talking about, isn't online yet. We'll probably post that probably sometime in, in, in the next, probably by the end of summer, if I had to guess, but I'm not sure. And then we'll probably release the second one at the same time. Uh, and then we, we might do more but we, we shot a second one um
0: nice yeah. i'm excited
1: yeah i think the, uh, the 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 first the first one the, since the first one is um what like 3 minutes long because of the uh the, the time it, yeah time constraint yeah the time constraint it, it's it's it, it's tighter the, the second one's going to be a bit longer
0: nice yeah. well i uh yeah there were so many great films this year um so we can't talk about all of them but we did select a couple that we that really stood out to us as uh that really impacted us personally. Um, But uh, we will leave as much uh, information in the description as possible and where you can find some information about these films we discussed here and also the other ones as well.
2: What is it about a festival like IOU or ones you've heard of like it around the world, um, the idea of a festival geared specifically for elevating um, independent filmmakers – in a way that doesn't necessarily um corner them into a student comp- student category competing at a larger festival and that also doesn't necessarily pit them against each other in a competitive environment that still gives them the taste of the festival atmosphere that you guys found so interesting and why do you think it's important that why do you think it's potentially important should I say that festivals like it Try and continue to thrive.
1: I guess this is this is just my perspective since since uh, I had one of the, my films uh, in the festival, but um, I was kind of burnt out after making this uh, f- for a little bit, and I didn't really want to make any anything for the longest time. And then after just going to the fest and seeing all these great movies that are all like on the same level of mine, it gave me it gave me the itch to make something again. So I guess that's just kind of my perspective is that um, seeing all great all these great short films and independent films just kind of makes me want to make more.
3: Yes, I agree. I actually had that urge too when I was at that film festival. Yeah, I'm like, I really want I to was make like, something. I, I wanted to... I guess it's... How do I say it? You don't... You know, Iron sharpens iron, as yeah. uh, people like to say. So, I mean, the only way you get better is if you make more. So, yeah, I I got the urge to kind of Go back on the uh, on the on what I my ideas and try to see you know flesh them out even more. I got the urge to go back to them and actually do a little bit of work on them to hopefully make them somewhat soonish. And I think that's a I you know it's a good unintended effect of the festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure if uh, two of us, that's literally 50% of the people on the podcast right now, have that feeling that got that feeling i'm sure a lot of the people that were in there most of which were you know filmmakers or in the film uh world in some capacity got the urge to go all right you know what that, that was good that was good seeing what other people are working on i'd like to make more
2: there's some yeah totally like uh speaking for myself i can add to that to that 50 percent and say that like i've had a script in the works since last spring that's pretty pretty big and pretty um, ambitious. And I say that not as a point of bragging, but merely as a point of fact. It's pretty ambitious. And it's like, y- I hit a point where um, my writing partner and I are, are ready, to ready to shoot the thing, or we think we're ready to shoot it. And it's that sense of uh, fear that sort of strikes me more often than not of oh my god, am I ready to do this? Can I do this? Am I the right person? Can I make movies in general? Should I be doing this? And then to see all this great work shown off by um filmmakers of frankly all ages and all skill levels that is so strong and so really well put together. It's just it's just it's like a fucking comfort blanket. It's like, yeah, okay. I guess I'll I guess I can make another project. I just it's just nice to to remember that in the um, end Yeah, in the end somebody went through some version of the same struggle that I'm going through as an independent filmmaker and they made a great piece of work at the end of it.
3: Yeah, misery loves company, even though the company involves sitting in a dark room for 2 hours. Yeah.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah, I think the the purpose of the festival is not just to highlight emerging cinema, which is, I mean, the at the core the reason, um, and also just to uh, to network people together um, to find like minded individuals that might be making really similar films to you that you could collaborate with, um, and kind of getting to make those connections in a place where you're all kind of in a common environment but also yeah exactly what you guys were saying like getting the itch to make something again seeing other people doing the same things that you want to do and just being like well if they can do it so can i you know getting that confidence up and you know even maybe asking advice from those people if if you're you know brave enough to approach them if like if if you look up to them or if you want to collaborate with them someday i know there were some people that i definitely reached out to at the festival and as an organizer i was even maybe a little bit intimidated by like their skill set but it felt good to like connect with those people um and just kind of hear their story their process and and learn about them because i mean in the end we're all in similar spots we're all trying to prove ourselves as artists maybe someone has a maybe someone asks a question maybe some questions are answered buy some of the films for sure um maybe you learn something about yourself or you see an insight into a conflict in your life or or you just really fucking like it (laughs) you don't know why um but yeah i just i i'm really happy with the way the festival went this year and i think um i think it was really great i'm glad you guys all came and saw all the movies and we could talk about them today
2: yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was great. All right, then. Uh, I guess that's a wrap for this week. Thanks, everybody, for joining us.
0: You can find me at uh, vimeo.com slash Miranda Morose.
3: You can find me at vimeo.com slash Jermel Pasqua. For my other social media, it's Jermel underscore Pete. Lunchables on
1: Twitter, and then on Instagram, it's just... I think it's Leaky Ultra 1992, so... And then...
2: Vimeo at Dr. Finkelstein on Twitter. You can also find us on Vimeo Collective Film Productions. Just uh, I'm not sure if that's the address. Just Google us. Uh, that's it. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.
0: It's Miranda from the Around the Craft Table team and you've just heard episode 7, so we went to a film festival? This week's episode was executive produced and directed by Miles A. Taylor. It was executive produced and edited by myself, Miranda Moroz. It featured Miles, Jermal Pasqua, Luke Roach, and myself as panelists. This week's music was all done by DJ Quads. We hope you enjoyed the episode this week and hope you stick around for next week where we're sitting down with Lena and Taylor Brown of Folks Films, a local production company who does both narrative and commercial work. We're pretty excited for you to hear all these conversations we had and hope to spark some new conversations about filmmaking within your own circle of friends, collaborators, or just in the comments section. You can find the podcast on social media under at ATCT Show, or just send us an email at crafttablepodcast at gmail.com If you have any important questions or requests, we'd love to hear from you. Bye-bye.